Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Well, what's up, Center Set Church? I hope you are doing well. My name is Jason Parrish and I am the lead pastor at a church in Salt Lake City called The Well. And man, what a privilege it is to be in church with you today. And uh, you're probably in a room or online and wherever you are joining in from, I just want to say what's up. And once again, I really do hope that today's experience is something that builds you up. It blesses you. And like I said, what a privilege to be with, uh, be with Center Set Church right here in San Jose, California. Uh, I'm not from California. I'm from the mountains. It's freezing cold where I'm at right now. So it is a blessing to come into town, hang out, and be able to speak to you and your church. And before we get into the message today, I do want to say this, and you probably already know this, but your pastors are awesome. Uh, we love these guys so much. We are so privileged to be friends with them. We're not just uh, co-laborers in this ministry thing, this thing called church, but we are friends. And it's so amazing to see what God is doing right here uh, in this state and in the area that you guys call home and the place that God has called you to serve. And so I really do hope that this message today uh, just accentuates what it is that you guys are digging into. And I got to say, I'm really excited about it because this is an awesome series that you guys are in. But uh, I hope you love your pastors. I hope you're clapping for them right now, cheering them on as we just tell them how much we love them and are so honored to be friends with them. Well, I want to get into a piece of scripture today that I'm really excited to preach to you from. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 12 through 19. This is going to be our text for today, and uh, we'll go ahead and read that to you. Dear friends, he says, Don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ. And right here, like before we go on anymore, uh, this is going to mess with some of our heads because a lot of us don't understand this whole idea of rejoicing in suffering. That does not compute, especially for our, our uh, Western philosophy of life and faith. That doesn't compute. Suffering and joy are two words that we do not hear go hand in hand very often. So he continues on. He says, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, let those who suffer according to God's will, we'll deal with this in a few moments. Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator. Come on, somebody. He's a faithful God. He is a good God. He is a God who shows up even when we don't think he's going to show up. He's showing up and he's showing off. He's doing his thing. Will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. Today, as we continue on in this series, Trials to Triumph, I want to speak to you from the subject, it's not surprising. It's not surprising. As we look at the sacredness I'm going to use this word, the sacredness, come on, the sacredness of suffering in our lives. And I'll just ask you to pray with me one more time before we get started today. Jesus, we, we thank you for your word today. 
We thank you that it's alive, that it's active, that it has the power and the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so, God, right now, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, that you would change us and transform us, that you would convict and you would challenge, you would reform and you would redo. And it's your word that has the power to do so. I pray that it would be a light in our lives, that it would illuminate the things that need to be illuminated, God. And right now, I pray that these would be your words, not my words. God, we need your voice in all of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. All right, come on. So uh, I talk with a lot of people on a weekly basis. I'm a talker. I love talking. I love hanging out with people. I love doing coffees and lunches and dinners, and that's, that's my jam. And uh, I was uh, in a conversation recently, uh, which you know, kind of goes like many of the conversations that I have with people. I hear the gamut of human emotion and experience and situation and circumstance. And, but sitting in this conversation, I was, I was listening to this person talk and they were, they were giving me their story. And much like all of our stories in 2020, it had a lot of twists and turns. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There was a lot of things that we had to deal with, a lot of things that none of us saw coming. And so as they were articulating these different things that they were going through and had gone through, I kept on hearing this phrase used over and over and over again. It's not surprising. It's not surprising. I don't know how many of you have heard that before or said that before. It's not surprising that I'm going through this. It's not surprising that this happened to me. It's not surprising that we went through this. It's not surprising that this happened to my mom. It's not surprising that this happened to my family. It's not surprising that this happened at work. And they kept on reiterating this, this statement, this thought. And, and while it was being used in a negative or a generally pessimistic view on their life and their particular situation, It was a statement that struck me different on that day, different than how I've heard it in other moments of of conversation. And maybe because it's 2020 or 2021, but I heard it in a way that I had not heard before. This time, it was connected to the words that we just read in Peter. And it sunk in my heart that day that we need to learn how to develop an idea and an understanding when it comes to suffering in our lives that it's not surprising. But it doesn't need to be from a negative spin. It doesn't have to have a negative connotation to it. It can actually be like, wait a second, what the Bible is teaching us is that none of us should be surprised by suffering. It's part of the the territory. And it's these words connected to Peter's thoughts here that all of a sudden, I started to realize and it helped me understand that we need to see suffering differently than we do. We need to have a different viewpoint, a different understanding, a different perspective on this thing called suffering. In her book, Confronting Christianity, Rebecca McLaughlin writes this, and I love this quote. Suffering is not an embarrassment to the Christian faith. Check this out. It is the thread with which Christ's name is stitched into our lives. Think about that. Suffering is the very mechanism that's used to stitch his name into your life, into my life. Maybe let's put it this way. Suffering is the thing that puts his signature on your life. And without suffering, I would put, I would put out in front of us and I would argue that suffering is this thing that actually develops in us more of what Jesus has for us. Jesus would say it like this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He would say, I've told you these things. He's like, listen, I've said this, okay? So that in me you may have peace. 
You'll have suffering in this world. What's he saying? It's not surprising. We shouldn't be surprised. You are going to have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I've conquered the world. And I love that idea. And the great theologian Tupac Shakur would say it like this. That's just the way that it is. Come on, somebody. That is just the way that it is. In other words, as Peter would remind us, we should not be surprised at the onset and application of suffering in our lives. The problem is that we still are. And every time it befalls us, we tend to lose our minds and lose our way. Like we, we have that, that freak out moment all of a sudden when suffering is applied to our lives where we just lose all stuff. We lose our mind, we lose our hearts, we lose our soul, we just, we give up, we get frustrated, we get mad, we get irritated, and all of a sudden, who we used to be in calm, how many of you know or know somebody or you are the person that you become a totally different person in suffering? Like when suffering is applied to our life, all of a sudden, we just lose who we are. See, suffering is not a new reality for us. However, it is more recently something that we've become more viscerally opposed to And culturally speaking, especially here in the West, it has all but become something that we believe. Check this out. Maybe you can can sit with me in this one. We actually have come to believe that suffering shouldn't be a part of our lives. We've developed this entitlement when it comes to the suffering thing. And we've developed it from the perspective, and we say this thing, if I believe in Jesus... If I follow Jesus, then I shouldn't have suffering. The problem is, is that everything in the Bible tells us opposite. If you and I believe in Jesus, we will have suffering. But it's not a popular message. Like nobody really wants to do a series on suffering about, hey, come to church on Sunday and listen to suffering. Like that's not what we do. That's, it doesn't sell. It's not sexy, right? So we've got we've to start wrapping our minds around this. So here's the deal. We work. We invent and we design all with the abatement of suffering in mind. One more app, one more safety mechanism, one more warning, all in the name of staving off the big bad evil of suffering. Yet no matter what we come up with, come on somebody, it still finds its way into our story. Why? Because we're going to discover some things that we may not like. They might might be hard pills to swallow. But if we can grab a hold of this suffering issue, I believe it'll change the way that we walk through life. It'll change the way that we walk through faith. And so my mission today is to help see, here it is, write this down if you're taking notes today, sacredness and suffering. I want to encourage us and I want to... I want to submit to us today that suffering is actually sacred. And we may argue against that. We see all kinds of like the birth of a baby. Come on, that's, that, that's a sacred moment, right? Church can be sacred. Worship, reading my Bible, prayer, those are, those are sacred moments. And, and even death can be a, a sacred moment. But none of us has really thought to ourselves, oh, suffering, that is That's sacred. I'm hoping that we can come to a place today when we go through the moments when suffering finds its way into our seasons and the moments of our life that we could look at suffering as something sacred and go and believe today while I am suffering, I'm actually standing in a sacred moment. I'm actually experiencing the sacred. So that's what I want to do today. And to do that, I want to take a look at a few truths that the Bible offers us about the involvement of suffering 
in our lives. Here's the first truth. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. The first thing that I need you to understand today is that suffering comes with the territory. Come on, church. Suffering comes with the territory. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. So then, let those who suffer according to, here it is, according to God's will, entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. I live in the mountains. Um, I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're at the base of this beautiful mountain range called the Wasatch Front. It's covered with snow right now. I love where I live and, and uh, where we planted our church uh, now eight years ago uh, as, a, as a community of faith right there in, in that valley. And over time, as we've lived there, my family, my wife and, and my kids, we've become outdoor people. I know we've got some outdoor people here and you live in a beautiful area for it. So we've got skiing and hiking and mountain biking and, and fly fishing and you name it, you can do it outdoors. And so I'm an avid outdoors person now. Like, don't, don't let this fool you. I love the outdoors. I can get dirty and grow my beard out. But anyways, so uh, what I do in the outdoors is I get into a lot of like high alpine lakes through hiking in rivers where I do some fly fishing and stuff like that. And what's interesting about the outdoors, if you're an outdoors person, is you have to prepare no matter where you're going. You have to prepare, especially if you're going into elevation, you have to prepare for the, for the moment of weather to change significantly. It, it, in any given moment, it, it'll change on a dime. In our mountains, it can be 105 in the valley during July, but if you go up into some of our Wasatch Mountains, you can be at, you can be at 9,500 feet, 10,000 feet, and it can be 70 degrees, and in about 10 minutes, a, a rainstorm can move in and switch to snow on you, all during the summertime. The weather changes so fast. And the reason for the change in the weather, why it's so unstable, is this little thing called the topography of the land. The elevation changes and the shifts and, and the moves. And, and so because you're at elevation, because you're in, in different height ranges, and because the topography is different, things can change really, really fast. So when you're going out in the wilderness, you have to be aware of what the territory is going to bring. And this is what I need us to understand. Every territory has a topography, and the topography of God's will includes suffering. It's a part of the territory. And a question that I often get from people is this, and maybe you've asked this before as well. How do I know if I'm in the will of God for my life? Come on, you ever asked that question before? Like, how do I know what the, what the will of God is? How do I know if I'm in the will of God for my life? And Peter right here gives us a very clear indicator as to whether you know that you're willing the, in the will of God or not. And it's that it will include suffering. Think about that. If you're asking the question, how do I know if I'm in the will of God? Just look to see if you're suffering. <laughs> That's what's insane about this whole thing is you got to look to see, like, am I suffering right now? Because you actually might be in the topography of God's will. You might be in the very place that God wants you to be. But if we're super honest about it, I mean, brutally gut level honest about it. Many of us think that where they're suffering, I definitely can't be in the will of God. The will of God does not include this. I just need us to understand that scripturally speaking, the will of God includes hard things. The will of God includes these aspects. It's not that God produces the suffering, but he uses it to form in us, to stitch his name into our lives. Look across scripture and you will find over and over and over again that as men and women of faith, 
as they stepped into God's plan and purpose for their life, it included suffering almost every time. Even Jesus himself, his life of faith and purpose included suffering. And he went through it for you and for me. So suffering can actually be a beautiful thing, a a sacred thing. My encouragement today is that we learn to come to the place where we can say, hey, it's part of the territory. This is just part of the territory. As we walked through 2020, and as we're now in 2021, we just got to be able to say to ourselves, hey, it's it's part of the territory. Like hard things are a part of the territory. And when we when we can get this, it actually curbs the frustration. Come on, who has not been frustrated over the past little while? I've walked through all kinds. Like, have you guys been fr- Like, who has not been frustrated during these moments that we've been walking through? And I think one of the greatest things that's helped curb some of my frustration, now don't get me wrong, I was frustrated and I've been frustrated at some things. But as I've encouraged myself in this, I started to realize, like, wait a second, I, can't, I shouldn't be as frustrated as I'm getting because guess what? I am right in the middle of God's will. And when I start to understand that, when I get that into my mind, when I get that into my heart, all of a sudden it picks me up and I can start running again and I can start breathing again and I can start believing again and I can start having faith again. Someone's got to shout me down. Come on, 5 p.m. Like you have got to be in this place where all of a sudden you realize that just because you are suffering doesn't mean that God has abandoned you, but rather it may be that he's bringing you into something. Could it be that your suffering is proof that you're stepping into something amazing? because of what God's doing in you. That's what suffering is. Paul the Apostle knew this. Watch what, he, watch what he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. That, like what he's about to, what he writes to us and what we're about to read is something that no one posts on Instagram ever, which is like his bad days. Have you noticed that? We never post our bad days. We never post our suffering moments. We should do that. We should invent a whole other app that's just for us to talk about suffering, right? That would be fun. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. Watch, watch what he says. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one with far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I face dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness. It's it's like he's trying to write a Dr. Seuss book right now. Dangers at sea and dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. Not to mention, he's like, and to put just some icing on it, not to mention other things. There's the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. All of this, I want you to hear this. Everything that we just read is included in the territory of God's will for Paul's life. Think about that. How many of us, let me ask you a question today, how many of us would actually sign up to do what God wants us to do if we knew the suffering that was included? Like, I, I wonder if Paul would have signed up. He was like, hey, like, if God's like, hey, Paul, just, see, just a heads up. I got some really cool things for you, but you're going to be beaten a bunch of times. I don't know if you, I don't know if you would sign up for that. You're going you're gonna to be at sea, like, shipwrecked. 
You're going to lose sleep. You're going to be hungry. People are going to hate you. Like, just, just a heads up. I, like, I wonder if Paul would have, would have showed up to, to that job description. Not many of us would, right? We want all of our benefits when we start working our jobs. Could you imagine if that was the benefits package? Hey, just like you, you barely are going to get paid. You might go hungry and people are going to try to kill you. Like, I just don't think anybody signs up for that. But Paul did. It was included in the territory of his calling. It was concluded in the territory of God's will for his life. But listen to what he says just a few verses later in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. But he said to me, this is God speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And here it is. For my power is made perfect in weakness. It's made perfect in weakness. So what happens is that when we suffer, we are finding ourselves in a weakened position so that we can receive the power of a perfect position. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's good news to me. So then watch what Paul says. He then says, therefore, I will boast more gladly. I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness about my suffering so that Christ's power may reside in me. So now watch what he says. I take, here's the, here's the, the transition, the flip in his mind and the flip in his heart. So I take pleasure in weakness, in insults, in hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. And I just need us to know today, Center Set Church, that when you are experiencing suffering, when I am experiencing suffering, when we are going through hard things, we just need to understand that our weakened position is actually making us us the conduit for Christ's power. If you want to live in the power of Jesus, I just got to help us out today and help us understand that it's actually in the place of hard things, hurtful things, suffering. Why? Because it's sacred. It's a sacred space. Here's the second thing we need to understand about suffering is that suffering, I love this one, unites us with Jesus. Suffering unites us with Jesus. First Peter chapter four, verse 13 says this. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. The truth is this, that suffering always produces proximity with Jesus, both in experience and comfort. Listen to what the psalmist tells us in Psalm chapter 34, verses 15 through 18. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his Ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil to remove all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all of their troubles. The Lord is, here it is. This is the big part right here. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those crushed in spirit. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. So what what I need to understand is, wow, Suffering is a part of the will of God for my life. It also unites me with Jesus. It brings me into closer proximity, right? This is an important distinction because for some of us in here today, there is a common thought that suffering is an indicator of the absence of God. If I'm suffering, if I'm going through hard things, like how many of us have been there before? I know I've been there. Like, man, God's just eating, but just must not be close to me. 
I must have done something wrong. No, no, no. Actually, the Bible is telling you that when you are going through hard things, you are in a right place. Now, we're going to have it qualified in the scripture that we read at the beginning of this message because it says, listen, if you're, if you're suffering because of dumb things, like if you're suffering because you did something that you shouldn't have done, you're suffering because you made a mistake and, and you're going through some things, like listen, that, that's, that's one thing. Like you can't complain about suffering if you got pulled over for speeding. Like I'm just saying, right? You did that. You can't, I, I can't complain about, about suffering in my life if I was the one who instigated the suffering. You, you see what I'm talking about? But if there's things in life because of the world that we live in that happen to us, well, that changes the ball games because, because that's a part of God's will for our life. See, many of us have this notion and this idea that God wants us and needs us to be stress-free, happy. Everything is going awesome in life. But that's actually not where so much of the change comes. I can tell you that in my life personally, most of the change that I've gone through and the development that God has, that has done in me is not because the seas were smooth. It's happened because I've gone through hard things. We've had to wrestle through hard things. The will of God included suffering. And so we are more well able to have joy in the midst of suffering when we get these things down. See, our suffering is sacred because it unites us in a shared experience with Christ. See, suffering is immersive in nature. It, it, it impacts the totality of who we are. And what we see and understand this as a unifying space, suffering moves beyond a temporal experience to a transcendent one, one that becomes, here it is right here, worship, adoration, and blessing. Think about that. This is why Peter would go on to say later on in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you, here it is, after you suffer a little while. So maybe, maybe let's look at it this way. Suffering is a part of the race that we run, and as we run through that portion of our race, then God comes in and he restores, and he establishes, and he strengthens, and he supports after we've suffered a little while. See, the advanced warning of suffering is to preemptively strike at the idea of not being loved by God because of the experience of suffering in our lives. It is the sacredness of suffering. It's in that place that we experience the closeness of God. The problem is that we end up subverting the process of proximity as we avoid pain of any kind. I want you to think about that statement I just made. If suffering is a part of the territory, we've got to stop trying to get around the territory because many of us miss the very place that God wants to work in us because we're trying to avoid the pain that's a part of the process. Did we get that? When we try to shift around, when we try to alleviate pain, we try to make sure like, oh, I can't go there. I just need my bubble of peace. I need my, my safe place. I, I can't, I can't deal with this, I can't hear this, I can't feel this, I can't experience this. I'm just helping us understand today that we miss out on what God wants to do because we're pushing away from the very, the very place that he does it in. And so suffering and pain is many times the conduit necessary to experience the character of God, the nature and the nurturing of God. So I just want to encourage us today, sometimes 
we have to run towards the pain. See, today, you have to run towards the pain in your marriage. You have to run towards the pain of your past. You have, you have to run towards the pain of, of the brokenness. You have to run towards the pain of the thing that you've been avoiding. You have to run towards the pain of the hard conversation. You have to run towards the pain of that, that job or that, that issue or that thing. I mean, you fill in the blanks. I, I don't know what your story is, but I'm just trying to help us out that when we try to run from the pain, then we miss the place of comfort because he meets us right where we're at. I hope I'm talking to somebody today. I hope I'm encouraging somebody today because I need us to understand this because when we understand this, it changes who we are and who we become. This is why suffering is sacred because it's the place where God works. It's the place where God works. And here's the last thing I need us to grab a hold of today. Suffering employs the work of the Holy Spirit. Suffering employs the work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14 says this, If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Because of trials, the Holy Spirit is employed to work in our lives. If I'm honest, this is probably one of my most favorite sections of scripture in the Bible. Suffering is an invitation for the presence of God to do its work in our lives. The subject matter of suffering, of the suffering we experience is not so much the point. It, it, it doesn't really matter what it is. And, and many of us, I don't, like I said, I don't know your story. You don't know my story. I've gone through things. You've gone through things. Let's not compare the degree of suffering, what I'm trying to get us to is it's not so much about what the suffering is as much as our response to the suffering as we experience it in life. In other words, who we are in suffering, come on, says a lot about who we are in stillness. And this is what I mean by that. If I am in the place where I am learning to be with God and I am resting in God and I am Sabbathing with God and I am worshiping and I am Digging into his word, who I am in suffering says a lot about who I am in stillness. See, when I experience the Holy Spirit in stillness, I'm equipped with the strength necessary to stand in suffering. I'm going to say that one more time. When I experience the Holy Spirit in stillness, I'm equipped with the strength necessary to stand in suffering. We're going to suffer. We're going to go through things. We're going to have hard moments in life. I know that was the message you wanted to hear today. You're just pumped like, hey, man, I, like, I hope today's message is about just hard things. None of us wake up and want to suffer. None of, us, none of us woke up today and said, you know what? I hope today is a day of suffering. That'd be awesome. No one sat down with their coffee and just said, you know, I hope today my life just gets wrecked. Like nobody, none of us did that today. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that more than likely some of us in this room or online today are experiencing that. And I just want to help us all be able to understand, don't, don't kick against it. Don't, don't push away from it. Why? Because you may be entering into the most sacred space you will ever step into. And it's suffering. That's the place where 
God works. That's the place where he moves. I want to close on, on this story. I was um, taking my kids to, to a park, and this particular park had a, had a uh, skate park. It was, it was me and my wife and, and my two kids at the time. I now have a three-year-old, so we're, we're three up on the, on the kid bank. But we had our two oldest, and they're 15 months apart. My son's name is Justice, and my middle daughter, his name, or her name is Shiloh. And uh, so they do everything together. They're, they're like just best buds. So their personalities are really starting to come out. But this, this was a little while ago, so we went to the skate park. And, and uh, my son and my daughter, they went to the top of this ramp, big, massive, like cement drop-in ramp. And they were standing up there, and they had their Razor scooters. They're not on skateboards or anything like that. And uh, they were debating whether they should drop in or try to drop in. So they're standing there looking. And this is my son. This is his personality. He's trying to convince his sister to go first. Because his thought process is like, I'm going to see how this goes with you before I try. Come on, if you've ever done that to a sibling before. So anyways, she, my brave one, decides, cool, like, let's do this. Let's go for this. So I watch her. And I'm sitting on the bench um, a little ways away. And we're watching it. And as a parent, all of a sudden like that, that gut started to kick in, and I'm starting to realize this is going to go bad really fast. But I didn't say anything because I also am like, I want them to grow. So they're at the top of this thing, and all of a sudden, I watch my daughter drop down on the ramp on her razor. And right when she dropped in, got wheels, she turned the handles, and therefore, like, it stuck. And because it stuck, it launched her. And she went out in the air and like she's supermaning it in the air and I want and everything's going in slow motion at this point right like everybody her like cheeks are like the whole nine yards are going on and and I'm watching her she falls and in my mind I'm thinking to myself right now like this isn't just going to end bad but something's about to break like I just knew what was going to happen and so she lands hits the ground puts her arm out to brace her and sure enough her her arm takes the full weight of her body this was all happening at the same time that I was already jumping up because I knew like where I was heading to. And so she hits the ground, boom, and of course the, te- this, the, the tears start flying and she's going ballistic. Everybody's joining around now because it was, it was a pretty, pretty big wreck. And I'm running over and I'm, and I'm like swooping her up and as I'm picking her up, of course her arms bowed. She had, she had broke her arm in that moment. And of course she is like, she's wailing. She's going like, she's going psychotic. She's gone off. Like everybody can hear, everybody knows what's going on. And, and it was in that moment that every fatherly instinct kicked in. It was in that moment, and I want you to hear this, it was in that moment that I hugged my daughter in a way that I've never hugged her before. It was in that moment that I used words that I would otherwise not use. It was in that moment that I could apply my fatherly nature to her. And we can say, oh, well, but you could have done that sitting on the bench together. Uh Uh-uh. Why? Because her pain elicited a very different response from her father. That is the sacredness in suffering. Is that something comes out of the Father's heart that is only found in the Father's heart when suffering and pain is the context. I want to encourage you today as you do life, as you walk through the seasons of it, understand that God is faithful as a Father to move in, regardless of what we believe about fathers or have experienced in life, I just need us to know that we have a perfect father who works with us in our most painful moments.
Hey, today I want to just encourage you in this moment. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And You know, we've been talking a lot about Jesus today. And, well, really at the end of it all, none of this is possible without him. He's the one that we put our faith in. He's the one that rescues us. He's the one that comes to our side. And I wonder if today you've said yes to that relationship. I know your pastors have talked to you about this relationship many, many times, but maybe today for some of you who are watching online or in the room today, maybe something came at you a little bit differently, struck a different chord in in your heart. I wonder if today might be the day that you say yes to this amazing gift of salvation. What I want to do is I just want to pray a prayer with you today. And it's a really simple prayer. And there's nothing, nothing really fancy or special in these words, but rather the heart from which these words come. And maybe today you'd say, you know what, Jason, I want to, I want to say yes to, to this Jesus you've been talking about. I've heard about the, the Jesus of rules and regulations, but I don't, know if, I don't know if I've heard about this Jesus, the one that is with me in my suffering. So today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just invite everybody to say this prayer after me so we don't leave anybody out. But if you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time today, I want you to pray this prayer with strength and faith and confidence. Come on, just repeat this after me. Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me. Change me. And make me new. And I'm declaring today that I'm turning from my ways to follow after your ways. And I'm praying all of this in your name. The name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Hey, we want to put our hands together. We want to celebrate those who are saying yes to Jesus today. Come on, it's the most important decision and the biggest decision you will make. Well, thank you for allowing me to be with you today. And uh, man, I can't wait to continue to hear about all the amazing things that that God is doing right here in Center Set Church. And uh, we love you. We are praying for you. We are believing with you as you continue to push on into the amazing journey that God has for you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.